Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 3. If you didn't bring your Bibles, that's okay. We'll throw verses up here on the screen. But we have been studying through the book of Hebrews. Our typical rhythm is uh, through books of the Bible. And so we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 3 this morning. Uh, But before I get too far in, kids, I want to talk to you guys. On the way in, you hopefully got a bin, a container of maybe Legos or Magna blocks. Or, and if you didn't, like elbow your mom or dad and say, go get me one right now because I need your help this morning. I need your help in that I want to ask you to build me something awesome over these next few minutes. And, and that's going to help me here in a little bit with where we're going to go in our story. And so if you can get to work, if you've already been building something awesome, Keep on keeping on. But you got one? Sweet. But let's, let's see if we can make it more awesome. I want an awesome castle or an awesome ship or a boat or a car or a castle ship boat car. Ooh, I should be careful how I say that. Um, but, but, and moms and dads, if you need to help your kids, help your kids. Like, it's okay. Like, this is going to help and come back here in a second. Um, and so we are picking up in Hebrews chapter 3. Kids get to work on your creations. Parents, turn to Hebrews chapter 3. We have been looking at, and in the middle of this series, called Higher Thinking. As we have been really considering Jesus, looking at his supremacy, looking at the testimony, how not only did did our author show us that Jesus is better than prophets, Jesus is better than angels, but that with that information comes a responsibility that we have to do something with this information. You have to respond to the life of Christ. And then last week, Greg looked at the humanity of Jesus, how important it is for us to consider that Jesus, God, left heaven to come to earth, to put on flesh, to not only atone for our sin, but to reveal himself as the perfect son of God who takes away our sin. And the, the, the best part of all of that is that we get out of this a God who not only came to save us, but a God who understands. As we saw that Jesus gets, he's suffered as we suffer. He's been tempted as we've been tempted. That the difference between Christianity and all the other religions is that the other religions say, you need to become like God. And Christianity says, you can't, so I'm going to come after you. I'm going to understand your problems. I'm going to understand your pains. I'm going to understand your hurts. I'm going to understand your temptations. And that Jesus, as fully man, entered in and overcame all of those and revealed that he is the perfect son of God. And so that's where we've been. And this morning, we're going to to dive into Hebrews chapter three. And I want us to consider this morning the faithfulness of Jesus. But before we get there, if you look down at your note sheets, you're gonna see that there's nothing on them. That's not just because my notes came together late this week and I didn't want to stress Sharon out. That's a reason, but it's not the reason. The more I thought about it this morning, and we're going to pray again here in a second, my hope and my prayer for this morning is that the Lord would meet each one of us wherever we're at. And so there's going to be points on the screen. I'm going to have some questions for us at the end. But my hope, and if your kids need to draw me a picture of like a super cool goat jumping through a ring of fire, like that would be awesome too. You can use it for that. But my hope would be that God would speak to you through his word, that something would 
would mark you and challenge you this morning. And so one more time, will you pray with me as we go into and then press into God's word? Jesus, I thank you for these next few moments as we worship you and come under your word. Jesus, I want us to consider you more deeply this morning. I want us to to wrap our minds and hearts around your faithfulness and your glory. God, I want us to see you more clearly. And so God, I pray that you would prompt each one of us, Lord, to leave here different, to think different, to act different, to be different because of what you're doing in our hearts. And so God, would you take this time God, would you challenge each one of us wherever we're at to be more faithfully considerate, more confident in who you are. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's dive in, jump into Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, let's pick up in verse 1 and we'll read through the first six verses. Our author says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has, more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken about later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Kind of the main idea this morning, what I want us to wrap our minds and hearts around is I want us to consider confidently the faith and glory of Jesus, the son of God. I want us to grow in our confidence that Jesus not only was faithful, but that Jesus was glorious. And so we'll go back to to verse 1. We start out with this word, therefore. He says, therefore, holy brothers. I want us to be good students of God's word. And so we ask ourselves this question when we come to the word, therefore. What is it, church? It's, what's the therefore Therefore, it's pointing us back. This is bridging what we just talked about, that Jesus came, he put on flesh, he was the perfect son of God that atoned for our sin, that he understands our suffering, he understands our pain, that in light of that, we now have something different. And and I think it's awesome that the very next phrase he uses is, in light of who Jesus is, in light of the faithfulness of Jesus, in light of his humanity, in light of his work, we are now holy brothers. Let's just let that sink in for a minute, church family. When God looks at you, when God looks at me, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, if you would say, yes, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb to take away my sin. I had a sin problem and Jesus took care of it for me on the cross by his death and resurrection. When he sees you, he sees family. That's what Jesus sees when he looks at you. And not just last week in chapter 2, it says that we're not, he's not ashamed to call us brothers. It's not just that we're family. What kind of family are we? Holy family. Holy brothers. I don't know what you came in here with this morning. I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know what's going on in your mind and going on in your heart. But when Jesus looks at you, as we consider his faithfulness this morning... We get to rest in, it's not about your faithfulness, 
and it's not about mine, it's about his. Whether you feel it or not, when Jesus looks at you, what God's word just said is, you are holy because of what Christ did on the cross. He sees a holy, set-apart family that is set apart on purpose for a purpose, which is where he goes. He says, you who share in a heavenly calling. When Jesus looks at you, he sees family that he has a great purpose for, a heavenly calling. This life is not just about you making as much money as you can or having as, much ki- as many kids as you can or raising your kids up to never suffer or having a comfortable, cozy life or making sure that your agenda gets passed through whatever things. It's about what God has for you in light of eternity. And so church family, this morning, I want to encourage us to consider our calling, to think about what is your purpose. Our author here calls them holy brothers and then asks them and reminds them rather, I'm sorry, to say you share in a heavenly calling. That's so much more important than anything else on this earth that we could live for. He wants to remind them that you have a great purpose as a part of God's family. And then he moves on to say, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. After reminding them of who they are and what they're supposed to live for, he brings it back to the main idea. Think about Jesus. Consider Jesus. Point your mind towards Christ, who is both the apostle and the high priest of our confession. And so this morning, I want us to consider the faith that we see in Jesus first as, in, as his humanity, as a faithful man, that he was appointed by God, verse 2, who was faithful, Jesus was faithful to him who was appointed. Jesus left heaven to live as a faithful man, as both apostle, a messenger of God, and a high priest, a mediator for God. That Jesus came to reveal God's word. Let's remember back Hebrews 1 verse 3. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus came to make God visible. The invisible is visible in Jesus. We get to see his faithfulness in his life. We also see Jesus operate as a mediator, that he stands in the gap for you and for me, for our audience here, that he is the high priest who stands there and says, these people have messed up, they're broken, I'm going to go where they can't. I'm going to atone for their sin. He is both messenger and mediator. And that is best displayed in his life. And I want us to consider this morning his faithfulness And then we get this interesting comparison that I feel like for you and I can be hard to really wrap our minds and hearts around. It says, Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him. Jesus did all that he was asked to do that the father appointed for him when he came to earth. He lived as a faithfully obedient man. It says, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. He compares the life of Jesus, the faithfulness of Jesus, to the faithfulness and life of Moses. And what our author is doing here is not diminishing Moses. He's not breaking down or tearing down Moses' life and faithfulness, but rather elevating it and saying, but let's, let's think rightly about Jesus. Jesus was faithful just as Moses was faithful. 
He wants us to think highly about Moses because what our audience here is struggling with in the midst of a hard time, in the midst of a difficult season, in the midst of pain, they are drifting back to comfort. They are drifting back to a familiar setting in the law where they are saying, man, this walking by faith is really hard. And it's getting more and more difficult for us to stand on the things that Jesus would have us stand for. And so, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier for me to just look at the law and say, man, it, I can control this. I, I, feel, I feel a sense of confidence and comfort in the law because it's familiar, it's known, and it just, it tells me, man, if I just don't eat bacon, everything's okay. Sounds terrible. Um, if I just don't work too much on a Saturday, it's okay. If I just don't divorce my wife, it gives me a, a false sense of security. That's how they were using the law. That's how they were using Moses' example. That's, that was what they were standing for. And, and they were drifting from the gospel. They were drifting from Jesus because times were tough. They were falling back into past patterns. I wonder this morning, for you, for me, what, what's our bent? Maybe, the, maybe none of us this week were like, man, I just need more law in my life. If I could just focus more on the 600 commandments, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That might not be you, that was them, but the heart is still there. What do you fall back on that takes your eyes away from the Lord? When times get tough, you're like, man, this, this walking by faith is too hard. I, I don't know that I can be confident in, in what Jesus has done. I don't know if I have the, the faith to follow him. And so I'm just gonna come over here to something that feels like I can control, something that feels like a sense of comfort. I would ask you, what, what are you drifting towards that isn't Jesus this morning? That's what he's encouraging them with. And it's not that Moses was bad. It says here that Moses was, a, was faithful in all of God's house. He wants them to think rightly. He wants them to think highly of Moses. And we see this in verse three as we continue on, not just considering Jesus's faithfulness, but also let's consider Jesus's glory this morning. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has, more honor than the house itself. This doesn't feel like it to you and to me this morning, but this is like a drop the mic moment for the author of Hebrews. He just said, when it comes to Moses, Jesus is greater. He is more glorious than Moses. You and I may struggle to connect this because if we'd, if, if we'd hopped in our DeLorean, souped it up to 88 miles an hour, drove all the way back to the time of our Hebrew audience and said, who do you think is the most important person in history? Like, these are good Bible-believing Christians, so much like you and I, if I said, hey, just real quick, audience participation point. Who's the most important person in history? Jesus. Yep, you guys all went to Sunday school. You know the right answer. Good job. Next to Jesus, who? Who would you say? Somebody give me an answer. Jesus. Good. He's stuck. Don't move off that. That's right. I like that. Somebody. Give me somebody. Who? Paul. Okay. Okay. Abraham, okay. Mary, like it, okay. Anybody else? Any other names? No, like, no Einsteins, no Abraham Lincolns. We're just stuck in the Bible this morning. That's good. How about Tom Brady? Wow, that was a wave of judgment like I have not felt in a long time. 
I love it. I take your judgment and eat it for breakfast. Um, all right, he's going to win a Super Bowl. You'll see. Um, all right, now I lost my place. See, I'm all stuck. So if we would have asked this audience, the first name off their lips would have been Moses. They just said, Moses gave us the law. Man, and the law gave us a path, and we have, we have been guided by the law for such a long time. Of course it's Moses. Moses is the most important person in history. Would have been the first name off their li- lips. And for, for this author to, in, to, to enter in with them and say, man, Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses is awesome, but Jesus is better. Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. And then he kind of gives this example. Much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. All right, kids, I'm coming back to you. If, if you can, how's our creations going? Do I, good. Can anybody, sh- like, if you can't, moms, dads, maybe help. Grandmas, grandpas, like, if, if, can we lift up and see some of our creations? I like it. That looks like a jail cell. That's cool. Um, a little bit different than I was going for, but okay. That looks like a treehouse to me from like way over here and with bad eyesight. That kind of looks like a bomb. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's awesome. It's cool. Oh, is it like a docking bay for your trailer? I like it. I like it. Anybody else? Okay, it looks like a spaceship. You drew a sun and a a goat jumping through a ring of fire. Okay, you're paying attention. I like it. I like it. I would forgot I'd said that. So um, that looks pretty cool. I like, I like that one. All right. Oh, yes, in the back. That's awesome. That looks like a castle. Is that a castle? Yes, I love castles. I want a moat around my yard so bad. I love it. So kids, as you look at your creations, that's awesome. Look how big that is. Man, you, I think you win. Um, it wasn't a competition, but I like competition, so you just win. Um, kids, look at your creations real quick for a second. That's great. Wouldn't it be crazy for me to look at yours and go, man, look at that yellow triangle. That is the greatest thing. Look what this yellow triangle did. Look what that Lego brick did. I'm going to push you out of the way, which is super mean, and I would never do that to you. And I'm going to celebrate the, the triangle, the, the little connector block, the little Lego piece. And all we talked about was the Lego piece. All we talked about was the yellow triangle. It wasn't that you did anything and we just started to celebrate the building itself. That's what the author of Hebrews here is talking about. He's saying the builder is worthy of the glory, not the house. Kids, look at me for a second. You guys did the awesome work with all those creations, with the castles and the weird bomb thing that makes me nervous for later, and uh, the tree house, and the jail cell, and the atom or whatever, and the flaming goat through a fire thing. Um, you guys did that. We celebrate you as the creator of those pieces. As the cre- you did this creation. It's not about the creation. It's you as the creator. And that's what our author here is trying to align the minds and hearts of his audience with. Don't get focused on the creation. Let's keep the right things in the right order. Kids, you did that hard work. You guys did awesome. And and what our author says here is that the, 
the builder deserves the glory, not the house itself. You guys get the credit for your creations. And then he goes on in verse 4. He says, every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Here's what I want us to see. Keep this slide up there for just a second. Let's just break this down. Jesus deserves the credit. Jesus gets more glory than Moses because Jesus is the builder. And everything is built by someone, but God builds everything. Here's what our author just beautifully articulated. Jesus is God. If Jesus gets more glory because Jesus builds and God builds everything, A plus B equals Jesus is God. We should marvel, we should consider, we should think deeply on the glory that Jesus deserves because Jesus is God. He's not a God, he is the God. He didn't become God, he's always been God. He deserves more glory, he deserves more praise, he deserves more because he is more. He is God. And our audience needed to be reminded of that because they're going through a hard time. They're in the midst of a hard season. And in the midst of hard times, the drift is to fall away from thinking about the glory of God displayed in the faithfulness of Jesus towards created things rather than the creator of all things. And so this morning, again, my question is, Are you considering the glory of God, the faithfulness of God with confidence or are you looking to created things? And I'll just be honest, like this is subtle and it's not that he's saying don't think about the law, don't think about Moses because he goes on in verse five to say Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. I love that word servant. Most often in the Bible, when we see this word, it's the word doulos, which is kind of a hired hand. It's somebody who's, most of us probably are kind of like these, uh, a doulos. You've been hired at wherever you work to do a job and in exchange for your paycheck, you do what they ask you to do. Or you have hired hands if you run a business. We understand that. This word is different. This word is that this this servant freely gives of themselves and enters in because they believe in what's happening. And so when, when our author here is speaking of Moses as faithful in God's house as a servant, he is speaking with lofty terms about how, who Moses is. Say, man, Moses was awesome. He entered into God's story. He was e- an eager participant, which here's just, I love, I love God's word. If, if you're reading along in our reading plan right now, we're reading through the book of Exodus throughout the week, and we're studying and looking at the life of Moses. Our Bible here remembers Moses as a faithful servant. Was he? Did he eagerly jump in to God's story? No, he argued, he grumbled, he complained, started out killing a dude, like, and then ran away. Ultimately, he gets kept out of the promised land for breaking faith with God. Yet... How does God remember him in this passage? A faithful servant to testify to the things that were to to come later, to be spoken about later. Moses did what God called him to do. Was Moses perfect? Nope, not even close. But did he do what God had asked him to? Yes. The Bible remembers him, even though he's broken, even though he's got problems, as a faithful servant, because ultimately it's not about Moses. 
Moses did what God asked him to do and used even the broken parts to accomplish his will and his glory. Man, that should encourage us this morning, church family, that that God would use broken people like Moses, that God can and wants to use broken people like us if we would consider his faith, consider his glory. And again, I don't think that he's wanting us to think less of Moses. The danger here is when we take a good thing and we make it a God thing. That's the danger. The law is good. The law shows us how desperately we need Jesus. We get the law. Moses gives the people the law. And it's not do all these things and earn your way to God. It's to demonstrate you guys are in a world of hurt. And somebody needs to enter into this story and help you guys out. You guys need Jesus. That's the purpose of the law. The law is great and good. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. The danger is when a good thing becomes a God thing, that's a bad thing. And so, again, my question is, what's your thing? What's your drift? I'll just be honest. I'll let you guys in as I've been reading and preparing for this message. And uh, we have a marriage retreat coming up in two weeks that we're going to host here. And um, unashamed plug, like, you guys should come. Like, it's going to be great. Uh, Most conferences that I've been to, uh, it's a lot of this, like me talking at you, and then you go home and fight with your spouse. Um, We are designing this one a little bit different. So it's going to be less you hearing from me and my wife and more couples connecting with each other. You guys need to hear from each other, not from me. And so I would encourage you to sign up Um, actually, if you sign up in the next, like by tomorrow, you get double raffle tickets for a prize. And so there's incentive to like, like right now, maybe go on your phone and register for the marriage retreat. Um, it's going to be great. But as my wife and I have been preparing to facilitate this weekend and getting excited about all that we feel like God wants us. Because again, here's my conviction. I desperately want a healthy church, but we can't have a healthy church if we don't have healthy families. And there's no way we can have healthy families if we don't have healthy marriages. And so we want to invest in the marriages here at our church. It is the best way to put God on display wherever God has you is in your marriage. I firmly believe that. So please come, please sign up. It's gonna be awesome. But as I'm studying and getting ready for this and my wife and I are having conversations, um, I'm just gonna share my drift, my, my temptation with you guys today. I love my wife. I, she is by far my favorite person. I've said that to you guys before. If you ask my kids, they'd see like, you know, yeah, dad likes mom way more than he likes us. Um, it's like just known that that's, that's the truth in my home. She is absolutely my favorite human. I love being with her. Um, she's awesome. She makes a phenomenal wife and a lousy God. And the drift in my heart that I'm wrestling with this week as I'm studying this passage, is I am far more prone to look to her for advice, to look to her for comfort, to look to her for confidence, to look to her for assurance, to be more eager to celebrate with her, to be more eager to to find my hope in her, to find my peace in her. Does that make my wife a bad thing? No. She's awesome. But a good thing becomes a bad thing when it takes the place of God. That's what our author is encouraging his audience with here. They have taken the law, a good thing, and they've not held it in its right place, and that's a bad thing. 
So he says, Moses was faithful as a servant, but let's remember Christ, verse six, is faithful over God's house as a son. When we consider the faith and glory of Christ that grows our confidence in his work as the son of God, that he came to take away our sin. He raises the bar. He elevates the thought life of how great Moses was and says, yeah, but Jesus is better. Think more highly of Moses. He was a faithful servant. He did all God asked him to. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's over the house as a son. This is a position of respect, a position of honor. And then when we see Jesus as son, we can be confident in his work, which is where we land at the end of verse six. He says, we are his house, that God wants to work in you. Jesus, the builder of all things, wants to work in and through you. But we have to hold fast our, confident, our confidence and our hope and our boasting in our hope that we have a responsibility with this message, that we have to do something. And so my question for you is, what are you confident in and what's keeping you from being confident in Christ? Our hope and confidence has to be found in Jesus. Anything else, even good things, become God's and that's a bad thing. And so this morning, as, a, as we've done in the past in this series, uh, because we're talking about higher thinking, we're seeking to elevate our thought life, I want to give you guys four questions to go home and wrestle with. And if it's helpful, write them down. Um, if, if we're close to bandwidth on kids, that's okay, grace upon grace. But four questions. Number one, what is your drift? What is your temptation to pull you away from the Father, to draw you into comfort and confidence in other things. And they could be good things, but it's a bad thing when they become God. Number two, what has God called you to do? I love that Moses is referred to as a faithful servant. What is God calling you to do? Jesus was faithful in his life on this earth to do all that God had appointed for him. He was faithful and glorious. What's God calling you to do? And then are you doing it? For each one of us, I think it's going to look a little bit different. But God's calling you into something. We share in a heavenly calling. Are you doing what God's called you to do? Thirdly, what's getting in the way of your confidence in Christ? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus. I would beg you, don't let another moment go by without turning to the Father. And we're going to pray here in a second. But what's keeping you from trusting Jesus is greater, more faithful, and more glorious than anything else? And then finally, who can you invite into this battle? Church family, I, I, I love this church, and I brag on us often that we do community well here. We love people. We love each other. You guys do a great job. I just want to see us go deeper. I want to see us confessing, man, I'm really struggling this week. I'm drifting. I'm, I'm feeling more pulled into this or that. And, and, and I need somebody to pray with me. And then I also want to press not only who, who can you invite into the battle, but how can you enter in with someone? It's not enough to just maybe listen to somebody share because this is risky. Can we like, we're used to playing church. I'm asking us to be the church and like enter in with each other. 
to really be there for each other. And so that, that takes a big ask in sharing, hey, I've got this going on. But then I also want to spur us, be present with those people. Be present with each other. Don't just say, oh, okay, I'll pray for you and then move on and not ever actually pray for them. Stop right there in that moment and just pray for them. Just pray for each other. How awesome would it be if we just built and spurred on a community of confessing sin and praying for each other? Sounds kind of like following Jesus together to me. And so what I want to do is, um, and I know, there, I, I know we're close on time with kids and people are going to start needing snack. I need a snack. Um, I want to give us a few moments here. And I just want, I, I want us to pray and just, we're going to, as quiet as the room can be, and kids, you do what you got to do. We love you. But I just want to give a few moments for you to maybe pray through something the Lord showed to you in this passage. Maybe ask the Lord to reveal where you're drifting, to illuminate by the power of his spirit where you're falling away from Jesus and into something else. And so it, we're just going to pray on our own. It's just going to be quiet. And then I'll close us in prayer. So would you join me in just a few moments of silence as you, we all go to the Father.